0: Wow. Fantastic. My goodness. Eleven kids. <laughs> like, if this was a church of a hundred, we would have just grown like 10%. <laughs> I know. I know. Hey, uh, just before I get started, while Quinton is still uh, online, um, I do want to take a moment. I know there's a few people who are actually sick and, and not well today. And, and actually, uh, I want to pray for Quinton, Sonia, and their family. Um He's, he's literally working while uh, he's sick yes. so let's let's just uphold them in prayer but also if you're here and you no if you would like to um, if you're here and you're sick you shouldn't be but um, but I know there's a few that are at home um, and they're not well so let's just uh, pray for them. Father uh, we stand together Lord with um, our brothers and sisters, we stand together with Quinton and Sonia and their family even. Lord, uh, your word says that if one of us hurts, all of us are hurting. And so we we pray for those of us who are sick. Your, your word says in James even that we are to pray for the sick. And so uh, today we pray for the sick, Lord God. We pray that you would heal us, that you would be the one who sustains us, Lord God. Uh, help us, Lord God, to see healing. Um, so that we can do your will here on this earth we pray blessings over every person who's sick we we um, come against the sickness in jesus name amen amen all right um let's see oh okay all my gear I brought my glasses just in case I can't read my actual. It's getting to that stage now. Oh man, too many toys. So, have you ever gotten so frustrated with your husband? or your wife, or your children, or your parents, because they, they never change. You're like, you're always the same. Your mom and dad, you're always the same. I'm like, Have you ever gotten so frustrated you think people can't even change at all? Uh, you know, I, uh, I, get that, I get like that a little bit. Uh, I think it's because I've had the same family for a very long time. Uh, we're coming up to 25 years of marriage. You know, I mean, same church, right? Same church. I look around like, oh my goodness. You know, say another food announcement. Why don't we just change our name to Food Gospel Assembly? What are we doing? You know, same, same. Uh, Sometimes when I get very frustrated, I feel like we're constantly dealing with the same kind of issues um, and people just can't change. But... It's actually not true. That statement is not a true statement at all. In fact, today the kids that we are um, dedicating are a prime example of that. Because these children, just as many here, like I used to be the kids pastor here, I've literally seen people grow up at FGA. These kids will grow up at FGA and they will change they were mature. I just did a whole bunch of uh, weddings over the last few weeks. Congratulations, Chai and Winston. And the many other couples around, but, you know, um, and these weddings, you hear these speeches. Oh, Winston was a terrible kid growing up. Oh, and then now he's the man I'm so proud of because he found Chai. Or I'm just summarizing the, the speeches that was. Was that an accurate summary of all the? Okay, good. Um, you know, but we know for a fact that people change, right? It must be true that people change. We see people change all the time. In fact, uh, we had Roger come here and speak last week, and um, my goodness, Roger has changed. I, I, I grew up with Roger. You know, right, Denise? Roger's changed. I think, I think life's really molded him um, well. I, I've seen my wife has changed. She's grown up to be this confident, you know, gifted woman who can preach and, and impact others and, and become a real prayer warrior, and I'm so thankful that she's changed. I've seen our staff team change. Some of these guys, Nick Tay, used to be not a Christian and rocking up to our youth rallies just to help us set up and take down all the equipment because he liked equipment so much, (laughs) you know, and now he's a dad of a, like, obviously people change, but I think what it is, uh, uh, just a quick one, hey, I'm echoing up here, and I think it's this speaker just over here, but it's okay, like, I I can keep powering on, I just, in case it's the uh, live stream or the recording that gets the echo, all right, But I think what happens is it's like watching grass grow, right? Like if you sit down and you go like, oh, this is the grass. And then you just watch, it it seems like nothing's happening. But we all know if you've got any kind of a lawn at all, we all know you leave that thing alone and next thing, you know, like it's time for you to mow the grass, Because this thing grows, it doesn't even just grow grass, it grows weeds, it grows all kinds of things. But it's definitely growing. But if you keep looking at it, it it seems like it's not growing. But you know, all of us, even though there is this physical growth, I think it's also fair to say that not everyone matures with age. Right? Not everybody matures with age we, we all get older but not necessarily wiser and so that's why we're going into this book of James it's a wisdom book in the New Testament we're actually wrapping up the book of James um, this week it's a it's a series on relational wisdom it's a series on the book of James and James provides us some great insight in how can you change and grow wiser so for every frustrated person, if you're frustrated that you're not changing enough, the person next to you is not changing enough, whatever it is, James has something for you today. I'm not sure you're going to like it, but it is true. Today's topic is patient endurance. And James, the whole book of James, his tip, his big insight can be summed up in the beginning verses of the book of James. He goes, you want to grow? You want to get wiser? You want to change? You want to, you want to go into perfection? Hey, here it is. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness or endurance. And let endurance or steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. What you see in this passage is a trajectory. You see a growth that you may be perfect and complete or teleos, right? That you might hit the goal, meaning that maybe you're not there yet. Maybe that something needs to happen to you or with you, so that you can get better, wiser, and grow. And the thing that James highlights, unfortunately, for us, is various trials, various trials. You know, I love this series and the book of James um, because we've taken a relational lens to it. Now, I I think, firstly, it's relevant because all of us are a little bit low on practice for relationship. We spent two years sort of, you know, a little bit distant. So we're all kind of getting back together, opening up, and, 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 and smiling at people and chatting, right? Um, but also, uh, I've read James now for over 50 times, like over the course of preparing for this whole year. Um, I actually think... If you read the book of James, and if you're at FGA, if this is your home church, by the time your home group finishes the book of James, you need to have read the book of James. Come on. Tell me you cannot read full-on five chapters. Like, I'll give you two months to do it. It must be doable, seriously. If you add up all the Facebook posts you read, it's the book of James in one day. You know? like So, You need to have read the book of James. If this is your home church, we're doing the book of James. You need to have read the book of James. But I've read it many times, and so much of the book of James deals with relationship, relating things. It's almost as if I'm beginning to think that when James says by various trials, what he means is other people. Yeah, because why do people quarrel? Take your tongue? Why are you complaining? Like, read through the book of James. Oh, my goodness. Oh, so much of his themes are just like other people, other people. And so, so I'm kind of thinking, oh, my goodness. When he says other trials, he's not talking about earthquakes or, you know, loss of job. Or he. He's talking about people are really trying. That's kind of why I like this relational lens on James. So feel free to go back to the start of the series. We've got it up on YouTube, right? Um, I've actually enjoyed listening to it. I've listened to all of them again, two times speed, again, right? Um, Okay, Um, so let's, if I can, I'm just going to power through and get us from where Roger left us all the way through to the, um, the passage that we're doing today. So last week, Roger spoke about pride, and in Um, and he was covering it in James verse 4. Pride, uh, it's actually going to prevent you from growing, right? In fact, Roger was saying that it's even worse than that because not only will pride prevent you from growing like clogged arteries of getting your blood to where it needs to go, but God will actually oppose you if you're proud. So we... We go from there, and then let's now take this James journey. So if you open up your Bibles, I want to encourage you to follow me with your Bibles. We're going to Bible study day today, right? Um, you may not know this, but Pastor Quinton was meant to preach today. And then he's like, oh, I got COVID. I'm like, please. <laughs> <laughs> and so <laughs> I got tapped to, to preach today. So it's okay, Bible study day today. All right. Um... Hello, Quinton. Okay. So now we go to James 4, verse 11. And uh, it goes like this. Do not speak evil. See how it's, again, relational with other people? But do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law... If you're going to take the position of judging the law, you are not a doer of the law, but the judge. This is very significant because the key verse, which we're going to get to later, refers back to this passage again, right? But James, in this passage, he's trying to explain to you, okay, look, there's the law. You could be the judge of the law, or you could be the doer of the law. Of the law. Let me just, again, I'm going to summarize all of James's points so that we can go, you know, you can get the big picture of what's happening. James basically saying, guys, let's just be really clear our job is the doers. We are the doers. That's why he talks in big sections in James about faith without works is dead. All right. So we're not to sit by on the side and do commentary and post things and 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 and, and com, you know comment on each other or oh, you know did you hear so and so is doing this or this this that, that. No, we are not the judges of people. We're the doers. We are the doers. And so, then to emphasize that doing point, he gets to James four seventeen and he says this. So. Whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him, for that person, it is sin. This is why I love wisdom books. You know, I used to think that sin was something that, um, that bad people do. You know, like, you know, we know what sin is like murder someone, or I don't know, whatever it is, right? Uh, But sin is something that bad people do. But what James is trying to highlight to us is if we know the right thing to do and we don't do it, maybe because you're tired from COVID, maybe you're like, oh my goodness, I got no energy left, I've hit my whatever. If you know the right thing to do, but you don't do it, for you, it is sin, right? That's why I was encouraging so many of us to respond uh, when Roger did the altar call last week, because for some of us, we know, oh, man, pride is an actual issue in my life. I know I have to deal with it, but ah, if I quit the outside, Whatever things are on, and so then you don't, you, don't, you don't deal with it. Turns out that's very bad for you. Um... Wisdom deals in the category not of these big picture things that apply to everybody else. Wisdom requires wisdom to apply. So there will be some things actually that become wisdom rules for you. So for me, I've got like computer game rules for myself about how I manage my computer games because there was a stage in my life where computer games went out of control for me right? But they're not the same rules for everybody else. Maybe different people don't struggle with that. That's fine. But if you know the right thing to do and you don't do it, it's sin. So there the, the comes, if you read wisdom literature, which we're actually going to be doing the whole of this year, if you read wisdom literature, you will, you will understand that, hey, I, God has made me unique and there are things that are just going to be my wisdom rules. They're going to be things that God will say to me that it's not going to be found in a generic Christian sticker somewhere, all right? So this is where James is coming. Then he moves on from that, and he does a warning to the rich. So we're just, we're just following James, right? This is, and you're wondering, what? Why is he seemingly doing these random topics? Here is my link to help you get to our passage today. It's hard to be patient when you're rich. Why he does a, a warning to the rich, and it's not to say that it's bad to be rich, but he does warn the rich. It's because it's harder to be patient when you're rich. Other people, like in the passage, you know, other people do things for you. You know, you, you, when you're rich, you, you get closer actually to the judge side. Like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm the determiner. I've got power, I've got riches, whatever it is. I'm, I'm closer to the judger than I am to the doer. Those other people can be the doer. I'm the judger. I'm like, oh, you, you did a, I'm paying you money anyway. You did a good job, you did a bad job, whatever it is, right? So it, you, it talks about luxury and self-indulgence that can creep in when you're rich. That's all in James. You can, you can read the book of James. I mean, just one way to think about it's hard to be patient when you're rich is to think about how a rich person cues versus how a poor person cues, right? Because a a rich person who cues goes, oh, my goodness, this line is so long. Get someone to cue for me. (laughs) (laughs) I I talk to the boss who I know or whatever. Like the the rich person is sitting in a queue, going, there must be some way I can get past this queue. There must be. That's what a rich person thinks. What a poor person thinks is, praise the Lord, I'm in this queue. You know, like we've run these medical mission trips before and they would queue from 7 a.m. to sometimes 4 p.m. to get the free dental treatment, right? Because if you don't have a lot of options in life and you don't have a lot of things, you're like, hey, I'm grateful for every single thing I've got. And if I've got a queue for this, I'm going to be queuing. I'm going to be patient. and I'm going to get what's coming that I can get. But a rich person... Maybe a rich person has got options. Maybe a rich person's less patient. How do I know that this is linked to patience? It's because James picks patience or steadfastness in the beginning of the book of James, and this, right after the section on the rich, he goes to this passage, which is today's passage in James 5, 7 to 11. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it, until it receives the early and the late rains. You, you not just the farmers, you also be patient. Establish your hearts For the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not, and now you see the tie-in to the first passage I read, because James is doing all these chiastic loops, which is actually very cool. Um, Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the actual judge is standing at the door. Turns out, it's not you. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets. Who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. It means those who remain steadfast, they're blessed. You have heard of the steadfastness of, oh my goodness, please pick somebody else. No. (laughs) He highlights Job. In his book of, do you want to grow? Do you want to be mature? Do you want to be wiser? Do you want to be complete and perfect? He highlights Job. You've heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you've seen the purpose of the Lord and how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. James, he goes through this sort of winding road to get us to this point to say, look, I know there's a whole bunch of these reasons why you might not be patient, why it might be hard for you to be patient, but you need to be patient. You need to be patient because some things can only be produced over time. You need to be patient because trials only do their job after steadfastness that's why you got to count it joy because you're planting a seed of something that is going to grow into good fruit so i'm thinking about this message you know it's patience uh, i i don't know about you I, i've been i grew up very productive i'm like hey productivity is very important right so the first thought that comes to my head is oh my goodness like James is asking everybody to be patient. Why don't we just all be patient, tolerate a whole bunch of things, you know, about life and all these problems. Don't grumble. Don't just go, hey, you know, be patient. Be patient. One day, you know, one day we'll do that. One day we'll get... So I I was asking, what's the question, what's the difference between patience and laziness? Because, like, surely they must be a bit linked, right? Like, you just go... It must be possible for someone to just tell you, I'm being patient. <laughs> Actually, they're just lazy, right? Because if you did a bit more work, then you're, it would be done faster. But you're just sitting around being patient. So I, I was thinking, what, what is this difference between just, you know, do we want a church that's just kind of lazy? Do we want families where people are just not doing anything and just going, yeah, you know what? It, there are all these trials I'm facing in life, and I'm just going to... Let it be, let it be. Kesara, sera, right? So, how, what is the difference? And James, he, he hits it on the nail, I think. He asks the question, which I want to ask you today, in James 5, verse 7. He indirectly asks the question Are farmers lazy? Because his example for patience, as opposed to laziness, is farmers. So you're going to think, are farmers lazy? Aussie farmers, let me tell you, the ones that I've met, and I just um, met a guy from like Taralgon, in our um, uh, ACM network. My goodness, the guy gets up at 4 a.m. in the morning. He was telling me he's got like these cows, he's got these cows in in his farm, and he's like, I was like, oh, how do you get the milk? Oh, that sounds so fun, organic milk. And he literally looked me in the eye and said, Chris, buy your milk from Kohl's never have a cow. <laughs> you know why? Because it's not easy. It's not easy being a farm. Farmers, let me tell you, are not lazy. Because whether you're working or you're not working, the eggs are coming out, the milk's coming out, the grass is growing, the weeds are growing, like stuff is happening, Right? Whereas if you do like IT work or whatever, like you can like, oh, just pause, we're gonna delay our release for another like three months or whatever, the product's not ready, Disney, whatever thing, right? Just push it back, push it back. It's fine. But when you're in a farm, the seasons, they're coming right at you. Harvest is coming, and if you miss harvest, it's gone. So farmers are not lazy. Why is he picked? Farmers. Because they're doing something while they're being patient. Something is happening while they're being patient. It's not just fatalistic. It's not just sitting around. Farmers don't sit around and watch YouTube all day. Like, that's not the farmer's life. So, as I finish, 15 minutes or less, I'll be done. But what I want to do is I want to give us three, for today's modern Christian, from the the book of James, I want to give you three reasons why I think we struggle to be patient. Because I don't think I need to do a whole sermon to convince you that patience is a good thing. James does that. Read the book of James. Read the book of James. I think we need to talk about why is it rich Australians, Melburnians, why is it that we struggle to be patient? But the kind of patience that's not just lazy patience. The first one, actually, that uh, James brings out, but the first one is that we get distracted, right? Why can't you be patient? He's bored watching the grass grow. I know my job is to tend the grass, but my goodness, this is very boring, right? So... We live in a very distracted age. I don't need to persuade anybody that we are distracted. I've been reading a, a, a bunch of books, actually, uh, on the topic. Indistractable is a really good book. I just finished a book called The Master and His Emissary. Wow. Fantastic read. I just recommended it to my family, but I don't think they're going to read it. Uh, really good. But here's, here's a quote from there uh, where he quotes another author, Alberta Moravia, on the topic of boredom and being distracted which I, I love. Boredom to me, and a bit complicated words. So the books I read are a bit, a bit complicated, but it's okay. Boredom to me consists in a kind of insufficiency or inadequacy or lack of reality. The feeling of boredom as this guy, who's, the, the name of the book that he wrote actually is boredom. So the guy literally wrote a whole book on boredom. And he goes, the feeling of boredom originates in me as he ponders it in a sense of the absurdity of a reality that is insufficient or anyhow unable to convince me of its own effective existence. Now, I know those are complicated words, so I'll just summarize it for you. He's basically saying that we get bored... Because real life is not enough. Real life is not enough. So when you you are at home and you're helping your kid with your homework, it'd be great to be in the moment there to help them, but they're taking very long to solve the maths problem. So what do you do? You go on Facebook, you go two levels up on candy crush when you 're when you're there with your wife as you 're shopping on the at the grocery and it colds and it's a brilliant moment with your wife and you 're there right and, and 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 life itself, reality itself, can be this wonderful thing that God has given us instead, when she goes up to get the milk, you quickly check all your messages, you quickly do it because you 're bored it 's like. Ten seconds, a waste of time. Got to do something. What I love about this quote is he he gets the root of why are we bored? Because the reality that God has placed us in the world that he's created for us, the one that we are uh, supposed to inhabit, live, uh, is not enough. It's not sufficient. We've closed a blind eye to it. And we're now wanting to find other things. So it kind of, boredom to me consists in a kind of like insufficiency, inadequacy of reality. Reality is not enough. It's not enough that I've got a house and food and my family. It's not enough, not enough. I need to watch Netflix. I need to level up my game, whatever the thing is. Because I'm bored, I'm bored, I'm bored. It's not enough. So we get distracted. In fact, um, The author, Ian uh, McGilchrist, of um, The Master and His Emissary, would say this. I would connect the rise of the concept of boredom with an essentially passive view of experience. A view of vitality as mediated by novelty. A stimulant force which comes to us from outside. Again, the books I read very well. Let me translate this for you. We... We get bored because we adopt a position that we are consumers of life. Entertain me, world. Look after me, world. I need something to do. I, I, actually, I need something to do. And so we look outside ourselves for the stimulant. Something better give us the things we need in life. So the stimulant force which comes to us from outside, like novelty. I wanna encourage you, actually Christians, that in being patient, patient endurance looks not like laziness. Patient endurance looks like being active, being present. The farmer, he's present. He doesn't go on a holiday for a year and then expect his crops to be... This patient farmer who's patiently waiting for his crops, My goodness, he is doing things every day. So should you, Christian. So should you. Your Christian walk should not be a passive one where you just sit around going, oh man, church is so boring today. Oh, child dedication. Why is FGA popping out so many babies? You know, it'd be faster if we only had one. Whatever, you know. Like, it's not supposed to. We we took time to do the child dedication because you know why? We're part of this. We're part of raising these kids. Some of you will be Sunday school teachers, volunteers. We are all active. And when you're active, you are not bored. Trust me. As soon as you shift gears from being a passive observer of life to being, I'm part of the hand of God, the kingdom of God, God's will to be done here on earth. My goodness, life gets busy. (laughs) And you run out of time. To be bored. You really do. James would talk about being rooted, grounded, established. There are some things that must continue to be faithfully done in this patient endurance period. They must continue to be faithfully done. That means if you used to go to home group, my goodness, keep going to home group. If you used to serve in a ministry, you should still be serving in a ministry. Why are you not serving? Or if you want to serve the community, it doesn't even have to revolve around church. But patient endurance is not laziness. It is being grounded and rooted and established in the things that need to be done. Some things must continue to be faithful. You need to read your Bible. You need to pray. James would talk about praying. These are part of us being steadfast. Okay, the second reason why I think we, you know, we're not patient people is we prejudge, right? You, you know what it's like. I know you're not going to be good. Ah, I just cut my losses, right? We, we prejudge, we, prejudge. We, we, we figure out too soon that it is either not worthwhile or you can't do it or whatever it is. That, that's why we grumble against one another. You're like you, you, you're too slow. I told you to do this thing like two weeks ago. You haven't done it, right? Whatever the thing is, we prejudge and it makes us less patient. And so let's just be really, really clear. It is necessary to make judgments, all right? It is necessary to make judgments, and we need to, in certain points of time, which is why this is a wisdom category. In fact, James is a wisdom book, so we're all in the wisdom category. There are times where you need to cut ties, where you need to have boundaries, where some things need to end and move on, but, and here's the big but, but we are flawed, We are flawed. That means our ability to make that judgment call ourselves, just by ourselves, depending on how we feel, depending on what we're going through at the moment, our ability to do that, to be that judge, is also flawed. That's why James says, don't prejudge. Turns out, the judge is standing at the door. Meaning, why don't you seek God? Really seek God. If you're gonna end something, if you're gonna move on, if you're gonna be impatient, if you're gonna, why don't you? Of course, you're gonna to have to judge. And like, we all have to live our lives, right? So, you have to make judgment calls here and there. Am I gonna go here? Am I gonna go there? Am I gonna take this job? Am I gonna take that? You have to, all of us have to make judgment calls at some time. But what James is trying to say is, you are not the judge. So, what you have to do if you want wisdom is, subject yourself to the judge. Show that your flaws, your maybe pride, your selfishness, your emotional issues, whatever the thing, your, your weird quirk or whatever it is, doesn't get in the way of making a good judgment call because the judge is accessible to you. So what does that look like? That means that we look to the judge. It means we get God's permission God's ruling. We ask God, do you want me to be patient or to move on? Do you want me to stick it out or move on? It means that in every area of our life, as we deal with the various judgment calls, we subject ourselves to the judge so that at the end, we're not the judging person. We're not the judge. That's why then James says, don't be judgmental. What he doesn't mean is be so flip-flopsy that you never make a judgment call in your whole life. That's why he actually says in James, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Because he, he's not talking about being a wishy-washy person. He's not, he's not trying to say that. He's trying to say, don't be the ultimate judge. The judge is the judge. You need to subject yourself to God's rule and his life. So I know there's a very foreign concept in modern day Australia, right? But you need God's permission. You can't. Like some of you, maybe you're like thinking of changing church to FGA. FGA is a great church. But you know what? You need God's permission. Maybe you want to leave your home group because your home group leaders are really irritating. You know what? You need God's permission. Whatever the thing is that you want to make a judgment call in life, you will be able to grow in patient endurance if you stop prejudging. I call it prejudging because you're, you're going before God. You're, you're faster than God, right? That's why it's important in this, as we look at this text, it's important for us to go, oh, yeah, that's right. We can't prejudge the thing. I, I will take the time. To fast, I'll take the time to pray. I'll take the time to seek God. But I can't move. I can't do a judgment call, actually, for significant things without God first. Okay, great. Lastly, oh, this is great. Here we go. Lastly, I think a reason why people can't be patient is they go, I've been patient, right? You've heard this. I've been patient. I, mean, I can't bear it anymore. I mean, you guys know the very famous saying, right? What breaks the camel's back? Pressure like a drip, drip, drip that doesn't stop. <laughs> translate, translate. 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 Okay, what can happen sometimes is the saying goes, right, what breaks the camel's back is the the straw, the final straw, is because it's, if you Google it, it's like bit by bit by bit, one more thing, one more thing, one more thing, and then finally, there's the final straw after so many. Sometimes we can't hold it together long enough, and we actually, we run out of endurance, is another reason why we're not patient. Another reason why we're not patient, I'm doing the three reasons why we're not patient, is we literally don't have enough endurance muscles. We're so used to being impatient that 10 minutes of droning and complaining, that's it, that's all I can take. And you're going to cut your losses. Because we've run out. We're unable to take that constant straw after straw after straw. But James 5, 11 says, Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. Well, that, that Greek word is tied in with endurance. I want to encourage you as we end today that God is calling all of us in this season actually to build our endurance, to patiently endure. And that's not a lazy thing. That means some things you're going to continue doing that, that you find like, oh, this is hard. This is a little bit of a chore. You're going to be faithfully doing it, like reading your Bible, like spending time with God. Um, they're going to be t- you're going to have to be active in a range of things because we, we just saw that if you just take a passive um, kind of observer orientation of life, you will get bored easily because as you observe The same thing again and again, you want to observe something else. And so then you change the channel. You go somewhere else. I need something new. But if you're active, you know the farmer can keep planting that same plot of land for sometimes not just his own lifetime, for for multiple generations. And that farm can produce so much fruit. That farm can be a blessing for so many. Why doesn't he just get bored? Because he's active. This is the kind of patient endurance that James is talking about. And that's what we're trying to encourage today. We we began the way James began today. By saying, surely people can change. Surely you can grow wiser. Surely you want to mature. Even if you don't want to mature, surely you want your children to grow and mature. All these kids that we just dedicated today, we don't want them to stay one year old, right? It will require of us, though, to have a mindset around the various trials that we're facing. That we not just count it as joy, we patiently endure. We patiently endure, waiting for the good fruit that comes out of it. Because it turns out, farming is hard. Farming is very hard. I, I can't do it. It's really, really hard. Uh, but patient endurance earns God's rewards. I, I really like this title. It was a, the title of one commentary that I, because when I found out I was preaching, I had to do a little bit more research, right? But one commentary had this as the title for the passage we read today. Patient endurance earns God's rewards because it's God who brings the increase for the farmer. Patient endurance earns God's reward, and that's us today. So I wanna close. I'm gonna invite our worship team up. Um, Brian's here. Uh, We're just gonna spend a little bit of time as we we, uh, close. I wanna give you an opportunity actually We're going to do one song. We might go over a little bit, maybe two minutes. Can you do like a two-minute? Okay, great. Patience for two minutes. Uh, That's okay. Uh, By the way, when I preach on patient endurance, I'm actually also preaching to myself because I like to get a lot of things done, and I like to go fast. So um, part of this has also been preparing me to be patient with the congregation. that God. (laughs) No, it's okay. And my family and my own life and, you know, like, All of us need this. So James actually ends his book by saying, if you need prayer, oh my goodness, pray. For those of us who are suffering through trials, for those of us who need prayer. So we're going to spend some time now praying. And I hope that as we do the book of James, as we've done the book of James, as we're talking about patient endurance, that we will be able to achieve what James has says in the last two verses of the entire book of James, this is how he ends it. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, that means if you're sitting here and you have a good friend who you know is just like drifting, or if that's you and this church has helped you come back, Let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death. It's not a great place to be your own master, to live your own life, to do your own sin, whatever it is. But whoever brings a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Today as we close, I want to encourage you to bring to God your concerns and your care. Some of you will need ministry today, actually, for things that are going on in your life. Maybe you need strength to endure, whatever it is. We'd love to pray for you. So Brian's going to lead us in a song. Um, and if that's you, um, can I encourage you maybe just stand up. Uh, we want to pray with you. Um, and let's together ask God, as James says, Ask God when we are suffering for help.
1: Worthy of every song we could ever sing, worthy of all the praise we could ever pray. Worthy We live for you.
0: we might also Father God I pray Lord for each one of us right now for those of us who are standing but also some of us who are sitting right now you know the thing that we have to patiently endure Lord you know what's going on in our lives Lord God we ask you for wisdom for what to do but we also ask, Lord, that you would strengthen us so that we could be steadfast. We pray for the various trials that are before us right now. Indeed, the various trials that face our city, our nation, and our world. I pray, Lord God, that you would help us to produce good fruit out of it that we would be a body of Christ that is not easily distracted or judgmental, but rather that we would be a body of Christ that is active, alive, working, in power, and patiently steadfast in the production of good fruit for your kingdom. We commit all of this into your hands, Lord. Help us to be your church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. Um, Hey, the service is over. Uh, We're going to take maybe about a 10-minute break. So if you would like some ministry,